Well, good morning. It is uh, great to be with you. If you're new here, welcome. Uh, my name's Dean, and it is so good to be with you this morning. We are uh, starting a new series called The Attitude Adjustment. And I just noticed that the very mention of that name, there was sort of like guilty laughter or something. I don't know what it was. As a lot of people may be feeling like, yeah, this could be for me today. So, but listen, I'm really excited about this series. I want to tell you, uh, I, I really feel like what we're going to talk about today and over the next four weeks uh, is actually, it's, it's just literally, and I don't want to, you know, kind of say it uh, overboard or make you feel like I'm, I'm just, you know, speaking like a hyperbole. Is that the word? I'm searching for words here. Hyperbole, where you say something like too much. This, this is a series that literally, it, it can change our lives. Uh, because what we're going to be thinking about is the, the kind of the one thing you can control in your life, and that's your attitude. When I was a kid, my dad gave me this quote, and I used to have it on my desk, and I would read it all the time. It was by a guy named Chuck Swindoll, and he basically says, you know, you can't change your circumstances. You can't change your, you know, the different outcomes you've experienced, your, your past. You can't change the history. You can't change a whole lot of things about your life. But there's always one thing that you can change, and that's your attitude. Life is really about 10% what happens to us, 90% how we choose to react to it. And so this series is going to look at the reality. Now that, that's something that, you know, all of us probably heard similar things to that throughout our lives, different spaces. But actually the, this is something that, you know, when we come to the Bible is actually huge in God's radar. And, and it's not something that's also particularly easy. But I want to start us out in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to get a little snapshot as we get started. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul's writing a letter to this particular church, and he's, he's teaching them, like, uh, he's, this word's going to teach us today, and he says this. He's, he's talking about, uh, and I'll, I'll pause for a moment. I want to give you a little backdrop. What he's going to write about here is how God was forming this people for himself, the Israelites in the Old Testament. It was a people God, they had been forming a people who were going to represent him in this world. They'd been through all kinds of challenges and troubles in their history. They'd been through 400 years now of slavery in Egypt. God has miraculously rescued them from Egypt, and he's taken them out. He's taken them through the Red Sea. It's parted, and, uh, and he's going to take them to what is called the promised land, this land that's flourishing and good that he wants them to go into. And, uh, but they did not all get to experience that. Some uh, in this generation of people, uh, the vast majority ended up having to die uh, in the desert, unable to enter into the land that God wanted for them. And Paul's writing about how this kind of happened, and he says this. He says, so, and do not grumble, uh, as some of them did. And they were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them, and he's talking about all the things that happened to the people of Israel back in the book of Numbers and on the journey out of slavery towards the promised land and how they didn't make it. And he says all the things that happened to them, guess what? They happened as examples, and they were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Basically what he's going to say is all the things that happened with these people, God actually let them be written down. Now us who get to live on the other side of Christ, who get to know who he is, we get to learn from their example. And one of the things he says here is don't grumble. Don't, don't have a, a, a bad attitude about things. Now here's the thing. We're going to talk about what it looks like to sometimes adjust our attitude. Now as I was thinking about this attitude adjustment this week, I, I was doing some research and came to learn that there's a particular move in the world wrestling 
Uh, it's not Federation, is it? It's, it's uh, somebody, any, we got some wrestling fans here? WWE, right? Is it? Okay, it's the World Wrestling Federation, and um, <laughs> they have this thing called WrestleMania. Clearly, wrestling fans don't get up at 8.30 in the morning. Um, so there's this guy, John Cena, and I found out he has this move, and it's called the Attitude Adjustment. And, uh, and I wanted to give us a little picture. So as we're going to begin to think about what it looks like to learn from some bad examples, to learn and figure out what does it look like to be able to change our attitudes, to make some adjustments, uh, it just turned out to be fantastic that John Cena has it all laid out for us. So we're going to look at a particular clip here. This is from WrestleMania. I'm not sure what number, but clearly neither are you, so that's okay. Uh, uh, and this is John Cena wrestling the big show. Heath, I cannot believe you're not helping me out here a little bit, man. But that's, that's all. It was, right? You know, when we were kids, it was WWF. Anyway, it changed. Um, but do we have that clip? This is from WrestleMania, John Cena and the big show. Now check this out. Oh, my God. Look how big this guy is. Oh, man. Can he do it? Oh, that's the adjustment. Here we go. One more. He's got another one. I hit him. Come on. You got this. Yes. Come on. Celebrate with him. He is now the champion of the world. Look at this. And that, ladies and gentlemen, by the end of this series, that will be you. You. Well, I mean, you're going to be arms in the air. Come on. You have done it. Now, here's, here's the reason why. You know, I, I love that little picture, and I want you to hold on to it. Some of you are like, please don't make me hold on to it. I want you to, and what I want you to hold on to is, uh, that's called the attitude adjustment. You know, to actually change our attitudes at times, you know, some of you, even when I said, you know, life's, you know, 10% what happens, 90% how you react. Uh, there may be some of you who just went, not, not, not. Like, you don't understand my circumstances. You, you don't know what it's like where I, you don't understand. It's not a, a choice, my attitude. You don't know what I've gone through, been through, going through. And, and so it, it's not, you know, there is something inside us to actually at times change our attitude. This can be life changing, and it may sound simple, but it is not easy. And the actual uh, adjusting of an attitude the actual shift to say, this has been my attitude. An attitude is a pattern of thought and how you kind of process or react to things. That's an attitude. To change the way your patterns of thinking, your mindset, the way you typically process an event or things going on to change that, it will. If you really want to engage that, you really want to experience some change, it will at times feel like, did you see how much effort and energy and strength, it's like everything in him to throw off this giant, you know, seven foot. The big show is not called the big show for no reason. He's huge. It's like, I don't know how many, you know, kilos, hundreds of kilos on his shoulders. Everything he's got to try and get that off. And you just got to know, if you want to make an attitude adjustment, just know this. It will not be easy. It will not just be like, great, I'll just start to think a little differently. It will actually require a, a, a brutally honest look and a hard challenge and going, you know what, I want to see this 
this thing, this pattern, this way I've always processed the world and looked at things, it's always just kind of, it's there. Maybe you never even noticed, but the reality is to try and even shift it will feel like moving a ton. But if you're willing to say, you know what, God, actually, here's the great news. It's not going to all depend on us. The great news is that when we're in Christ, we have a, a helper, the Holy Spirit, who empowers us to do things we could never do on our own. And if we're willing to dive into God's word and learn from what we have here, oh, man, things can change in our lives. Doesn't mean it'll be easy, but does that sound good? That sounds good. We're gonna, you're going to all be flexing by the time you go out of here today. Just kidding. I know one person will anyway. Um, we're going to look. Numbers chapter 11. So this is the story that we're going to learn from. You know, and this is the cool thing. We actually get to learn from, you know, 1 Corinthians. Paul tells us these things, they happened as examples to them. You know, we just heard, you know, there's some, these people, some died in the desert for bad attitudes, things like this. Seems kind of harsh, but imagine this. We can learn from it, and we can experience something different. So it says this. Now here's, so what we're going to do is over this four weeks, we're going to look at four different attitudes. And, what, and every week there's an attitude we've got to throw off. That's part one of the adjustment. But part two is going, there's a different attitude to put in its place. You know, part one is kind of throwing it off. Part two is like, you know what, then he's the champ. You know what he's going to put on next? The belt, huh? We're going to get a belt for every person. And every week you're going to walk out of here with one of those wrestling belts. And it's awesome. No, I'm serious. The kids are working on them over in Compass Kids right now. They're going to make them. We can. Can we do that? Can we make a note? Anyway, Numbers <laughs> chapter 11. Here is... The attitude, here's what the experience is like. These people, now before we hit this story, these people, they were 400 years in slavery as a people in Egypt. This group of people got to watch all the plagues, all these miraculous events. They got to watch God take them out of Egypt, go through the Red Sea, parted on both sides. Their enemies destroyed behind them. They've been on the road in the wilderness for about 18 months now. They've been to a mountain where God is speaking and given, you know, the Ten Commandments. They, they have seen a pillar of fire lead them at night, a cloud by day. God providing this kind of bread stuff for them miraculously every day. It experienced all this and it's getting to be time where they're coming up it's getting close to time to go into the promised land and the, into this land that is going to be lush and good and flourishing and as they are getting close to this moment it tells us this is what happened now the people complained let me hear you say complained guess what our first attitude adjustment will be around <laughs> complain some of you are like I just finished complaining about that video to the person next to me. <laughs> just kidding. No one did that. You all just wanted to learn. And, um, but the, it says, now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard this, when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Now, I, I want to pause for a moment. This word complain. Uh, it comes out uh, in some translations, the word murmured. Uh, let me hear you say murmur. Say it three times in a row, everybody, three times in a row. That's what complaining sounds like. <laughs> so, <laughs> did, you, did you hear that? You know, the word murmur, it's even in English, it's almost like how do you even sort of put a word to that? You know what complaining is? It's like murmur, 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 murmur. It's not kind of, you know, hey, I see a challenge that we should address, and I'm going to go, and let's work out how do we navigate this and be a part of a solution. Complaining is just this, like, murmur, murmur, murmur. It's just this kind of, ah, don't like it. You know, what are they complaining about, we would probably wonder as well. 
these people, like if we're all, I mean, how many people have you ever met in life? Like, man, if I just saw God do one miraculous thing, that'd be enough for me. I mean, one indisputable thing. These people watched 12 plagues, the seas part, pillar of fire, cloud, manna from heaven, all this stuff. Murmur, murmur, murmur. Man, tired of this food. Is there a different, like, group of people traveling somewhere we could join with? You know, as... What are they complaining about? You know what? You know, we're tired of this food. We're, we're tired of being in the wilderness. You know, Moses is just that guy. You know, what is he? Does he even know what he's murmur, 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 murmur. You know, complaining, the thing that's so insidious. Now, we're all like, you know, uh, complaining, like, really, is this really this kind of big deal? Do you know, I want you to notice something that says, what happened? They complained about their hardships. I can't believe this. Can't believe we're in the wilderness. Can't believe it was dry. It was dusty. We don't like what we've been allotted in life. These are the people who were oftentimes going, we should have just gone back to Egypt. It was better when we were slaves there. At least we had, you know, some meat to eat. It was if only. It was like God is saying to them, like, I've got this great life for you. This promised land. And all they just, oh, jeez. Sure is a hot walk to the promised land. <laughs> oh, man, it'd be so funny if it wasn't us, right? If we didn't all go far out. This isn't a story about the Israel. It's a story about people. Like, this is what we're like. And we'd all, like, think, oh, if we only had certain, if I saw this or saw that or did, I'm sure it'd be. But it's like, no, this is people. This is us. God's got dreams for us. He's got a life he wants you to get this. And I want you to make sure you know this, though. Whole point of all this is that, you know, if you're a follower of Christ, there's a life God dreams for you. And Jesus said, I come that you'd have life and have it to the full. It's not about taking some particular geographical location, but there is a life God wants us to enter into, an abundant life. And sometimes we can sort of feel like, why am I not experiencing that life I know God wants me to? One of those challenges because so often it's these things it's grumbling, it's murmuring, it's complaining. And get this, it says, he heard them. Can I tell you something? God hears every complaint you have, every murmur. And I just wanted you to know that. (laughs) This is just too much fun today. I'm sorry. I think it was the the wrestling thing. And, um, but honestly, this is the thing. Sometimes we sort of think like, well, it's no big. You know what? This kind of. Uh, tends to highlight is they're kind of going, they didn't complain to Moses. They didn't even go talk to him or anything. They just murmur, murmur, murmur. And guess what? They just thought, well, we're just having a little conversation, maybe letting off some steam about the frustrations and challenges of being in the wilderness. God heard every word. And you know, we think it's no big deal. It's just, you know, that's my boss at work, and I've got a couple other coworkers, and we all kind of get it that they're not really doing a great job or it's not going that well. And it's not that we're saying anything bad or, you know, wouldn't gossip or anything like that, but just kind of murmur, murmur, murmur. This is the kind of picture. And when you do that, guess what? It says, Lord heard them, and here's how God feels about complaining. It says his anger was aroused. You know, of all the things, you know, do you realize this? Just grab hold of this one today. Complaining is not something God looks and goes, well, gee, that's kind of a bad habit. That's kind of, I don't know. It arouses his anger. And it it says that he 
fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of camp, uh, on the outskirts of the camp. And the people had to cry out to Moses, and he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. And the place was called Tabra, the burning, because fire from the Lord had burned among them. I want you to get this picture. Here's how God looks at complaining. He sees it as sin. We look at this and we go, geez, all they did was complain. Fire gets sent in their midst, consumes some of the camp. This, like, that escalated quickly. Like, I didn't really think complaining was that big of a deal. Do you understand this? God calls complaining sin. Go back to the verses, and if you have a bit of time later, read through 1 Corinthians 10. It talks about a number of different things, idolatry, sexual immorality, and then the last one is murmuring. God sticks complaining up there right in the list of sins. He says, this is going to keep you from going into the life and the land I have for you. You know, if you're new to faith, the word sin, you might be like, that's an old-fashioned word or a harsh word or seems like a bit much to call complaining a sin. Like, what's with that? Can I tell you something? Sin, in the Bible, it's, it's, it's like this is the picture. It's anything that misses the mark. So it's like God has a dream for you. He has a dream for our lives, a way he designed us, things he intentioned and purposed for us, a way to live that he knows is best. And sin is when we go elsewhere. And complaining, it misses the mark of what God wanted for our lives. Murmuring. And like all sins, it is, it is subtle. It is not something that uh, often maybe we even feel like is a sin. Like, I don't know. Was that complaining? Is that? I think I was just processing, you know. You know what? If you ever wonder, like, was that complaining or not complaining? File it under complaining. It's probably a good idea not to go, what's the kind of farthest edge I could walk up to before it's complaining? Now, here's a, a, a little picture. You can take that slide, that slide down for a minute. We'll, we'll talk about it in a moment. But I, I want to give you one quick definition of complaining. Because I know, uh, like, as much as I want to just say, you know, like, just probably it's better to, like, we all kind of, no, 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 but is that really complaining? Like, you tell me I can't ever say anything negative. Man, I can't stand this preacher. Like, that would be complaining. And um, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, yeah that's what, uh, right. No, just, um, this is complaining so subtle. So I've, I've spent, like, my whole week kind of being conscious of this. I always thought, like, I'm not a complaining person. I, I don't think that will be too bad. I could not believe how easy it is. It is to both start to complain or to slide into. You know, here is a, uh, here's our working definition of complaining. It is expressing, and this comes from a book called The Attitude Adjust, uh, called, no, called The Lord Changed My Attitude by a guy named James McDonald inspired the series. Great book and recommend it to you. Uh, he says, complaining is this, expressing dissatisfaction or resentment with a circumstance that is not wrong and about which I'm doing nothing to correct. So it is expressing dissatisfaction or resentment. So let's take the Israelites. They were expressing dissatisfaction with their hardships, how difficult it was. Nothing was morally wrong. It's just they didn't like it. And they're expressing their dissatisfaction. Do you know, I live in uh, Alkamos. And so I live, anyone else live kind of north of Butler, Alkamos, or Yanship, you know? Um, you know, I don't know about you, but they've started uh, doing dual carriageway of Marmion up there. And so what it means, and now I find every morning I'm greeted with an opportunity to decide whether or not I want to adjust my attitude. It greets me in the forms of, you know, a line of cars. 
and I find myself wanting to go, I cannot believe this. I, I feel like I live in the middle of nowhere, and there's more traffic than anywhere I've ever lived. And I, you know, I'm sitting behind all these cars, and it's dual carriageway. And to be honest, if they had just put the freeway extension through to Yanship, when they should have, right, hey? Yeah, come on. Thank you for joining me in my sin. So all of you, thank you. This represents the single greatest failure of my leadership to this day. And I have had some doozies, but I don't know if I've ever led so many people into sin so quickly. This is what, do you know what it is? It's expressing, put that definition, I'm expressing discontent, dissatisfaction about something that is not wrong. There is not morally wrong. There, you know what, in fact, you know, obviously, if you actually start to go, oh, wait, what happens if I get outside of my own self for one moment? Oh, this short-term inconvenience, I need to leave my house 15 minutes earlier will result in better access for everyone and all my neighbors. Oh, you know, it's like this is expressing dissatisfaction or resentment about something that is not wrong. And that is how easily we all slip into complaining. And you know what God says when he hears me going on like that? He, oh, man, he hears it. I'm like, so I turn up, I turn the radio louder. I try, but he hears it. He hears it. He hears it all. And it arouses his anger. Why? Why is this such a big deal? Here's just why this is sin. Why is that? Dean, that's just a bad habit. Dean, don't be so hard on yourself. You know, here's what complaining does. It is a form of idolatry. And here's what it does. If you've never heard this word, or in the Bible, idolatry is what is always at the core of what sin is. And that is making something else more important in my life than God. And to complain is to make an idol of me and my life. And not only of my life, but my perfect life. How dare the state government choose to, you know, increase the, the roads right outside my house. As if I am the only person on planet Earth. It makes an idol of, it, this is, uh, I, I, and then I'm going to be late. And I've got to get up early. And what is the, con I, 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 it is me, me, me. And that's what complaining does. It goes, here's my life. And my life should be perfect, you know? And now here's the thing. It's okay and it's kind of fun in games when it's something like traffic. Uh, we can, like, work that out and start the process and work through. But honestly, those are areas. Like, I've got to actually deal with it and go, Lord, I don't want, like, what good does that do? Because you know what it does? Now, if I'm like that in my car, now on my drive, am I entering into an abundant, flourishing, joyful life? I'm starting my day going down a path that leads to wilderness, that leads to the barrenness of the desert. Now, the, the, the thing, the challenge in terms of this as well is when, you know, okay, even traffic, all right, let's, I'll work on there. We'll start there. Let's go. We've got to start somewhere. But we all have different levels of adversity that are very real and very serious in our lives. There's nobody in this room who doesn't have some measure of adversity and difficulty and challenge that you're facing. And the real challenge is sometimes going, you know what, we feel like it's okay to complain, but it, it, it ends up coming back to we all feel like our life should be perfect and something should not intrude on it, no matter what that something might be. Uh, you know what, complaining is a sin because it ignores God's goodness to me. Here were the Israelites. God was providing for them, leading them by fire and cloud. He brought them through a sea that he parted for them. And that 
it's like they ignored all of that and focused on what God is not done in their lives. Complaining is ignoring God's goodness to me. You know, complaining is all about this belief that my life should be better, and Lord, you're not making it better. That is what's at the heart of complaining. God, we shouldn't have to just eat bread. There should be some meat. We shouldn't have to just be wandering. Why can't we just get there already? Murmur, murmur, murmur. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy. But this is why God, you know, fire, why is he sent fire? Why? Because God is always trying to form a people for himself. And he wants us to be a certain kind of people. And he wants us to experience the fullness of life as he intended. And God knows that complaining, murmuring, it just robs it all. Do you know, I, how many people have you met in your life? If you're, if, you're, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a Christian, you know, and you met someone, and probably somewhere along the way, you had someone who was, you know, dropping, like, a, a lot of profanity around you, and then they find out maybe that you're a Christian or something. Like, oh, I guess I shouldn't speak like that around you. Anybody ever had that experience? And it might happen more when you're a pastor. I don't know. But I think I know it happens a lot. And, you know, and you're always, you're like, yeah, look, no worries. It's like, it's your life. Like, I'm, you know. And, but has anyone ever had someone say to them, oh, you're a Christian. I'm sorry I was complaining around you. Said no one ever. <laughs> ever. This is like God intends. He dreams. He sticks this right up at the top. And he says, you can't even go in the land because you're murmuring. Do we feel that same allow God's spirit to bring a conviction in us that says that is not a small thing. And I've got to deal with this. This is the attitude adjustment that we now have to actually, if we're going to take this on board, we got to go complaining. If, and this is like, hey, you know, me first. Like I tell you, all week, I'm just, it's amazing how easy, how simply you can be drawn in. All those things. But we actually have to choose and go, you know what, a complaining attitude. Looking at what I don't have. Letting people know about it or how bad that situation or this and that, murmur, murmur, murmur. We actually have to go, if we want to make the attitude adjustment, you got to get ready and you got to be willing to go, I am throwing this thing off. And it's going to take a lot in me to go, I'm putting it off. You know, if you want to make the adjustment, you have to confess that and actually go. And this can be a great first step for some today. You know, the Bible, to, to confess something is to say with. Literally, confess means say with. It's to go, God, you say complaining is sin, I say it too. I get it. And when you, Lord, alert me to the fact that I'm complaining, I say, that is, it's not a bad habit. It's not a no big deal. It's not just letting off some steam. It's complaining. Lord, I, I want to turn from that. That's what, and so I'm going to throw it off. I'm going to turn from it. The Bible calls this repentance. I'm going, I was going this way. Now I'm going this way. I'm not going to do that. And then there's something we got to put on. And here's the thing. To make the adjustment, we got to throw it off. We got to go, you know what, I'm not going to live and, and complain. That's not going to be my attitude. Lord, it's not a small thing. I won't excuse it. I'm going to say it with you. It's, it's sin. It's wrong. I, I want rid of it. But we've got to have something to put on in its place. Our minds are not a vacuum. Our hearts are not a vacuum. Our attitudes are not just a vacuum where there can be nothing. We have to put something on in its place. And here's what we put on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 reminds us, here's what God's actual will is. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Will you instead give thanks in all circumstances? The ones I like. 
Yep, give thanks. The ones that don't like. Mm. <laughs> give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Imagine becoming a people. Imagine becoming a person who no matter what happened in your life, you could give thanks. Now I want to read you this quote. It comes from a guy named Matthew Henry. He, was, he wrote a lot of stuff about the Bible about 250 years ago. Amazing commentaries, amazing man. And he had this experience, this is 250 years ago, and he got robbed of his, uh, I think it said purse in the book, but, you know, his, his, his man purse. He had a man bag. And um, <laughs> way ahead of his time. And um, so he gets robbed, and, and he didn't just lose a little bit. He lost all, all the money in the world that he had was in it at the time. And this is what he wrote uh, in his journal the next day. He said, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. <laughs> Somebody, now seriously, let's do a bit of an experiment. You pick someone out today, steal their wallet. Like just <laughs> for today, you know, we know there's, uh, you know, like how many of us? First thing, like, Lord, I'm so thankful I've never been robbed before. This is, that is awesome. I never, had, never really had a reason to notice it before, you know. But let me give thanks first because I was never robbed before. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now this dude, he keeps going. Let me be thankful second because although they took my purse, now translated my man bag, <laughs> although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Thank you, Lord. You know what? Yeah, I lost, I lost my wallet, but I didn't lose my life. Third, let me be thankful that although they took my all, it was not much. <laughs> <laughs> Who would not want to go to dinner with this guy? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they took everything I had. Well, at least it wasn't much, you know. <laughs> Won't be that hard to get it back. And fourth, that's not enough for him. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Oh, dude. Now just honestly, imagine we were those kind of people. Imagine you, we're just a people who is like no matter what comes our way, we find ways to give thanks in all circumstances. Imagine if instead I was going into travel and going, Lord, I cannot believe I, I live in an era of history. This would have taken, you know, days of traveling to get where I want to go today at some other time in history. And, Lord, thank you that I just get to sit in this car and it's got music and all these. Like, I mean, how small, how quick can we not just adjust any circumstance when we begin to shift our, our attitude? And to go even in the big ones, not just the stuff like traffic. But to in every situation go, this is God's will for me. I will find that which I can give thanks for. And that circumstance may change, may not change. But your experience will change. It's possible to be in the midst of a very difficult moment and be experiencing a fullness of life. History is full of people and stories who made the difficult decision to choose thankfulness in all situations. You know, I, I want to give you one last picture of this thankfulness and why it's so big. And it comes from uh, 
Math, uh, Luke chapter 17, and what happens there is Jesus, there's these 10 lepers. They've all got this skin condition, this skin disease, and they're all, um, you know, sick and crying out. And Jesus heals them. And he tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they go to see the priest, they start getting healed. But then at the very end of the story, uh, one of them, there's 10 of them, but one comes back. And many of you will know this, this story, be familiar with it. And here's what happens when the guy, the one comes back. He's a Samaritan, and he says to Jesus, in verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back. He was praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. It notes that for us because this was the person you would have thought by every standard. Like, no, he's surely not going to come thank Jesus. There's too many cultural, religious, all these different barriers. But it's the Samaritan who comes back and thanks him. And Jesus asked this question, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? You know, and Jesus is not asking that because he's sort of like trying to remember, weren't there ten of you? Was it seven? Ten? No. Weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, the one who they would have thought, no, 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 he's kind of the, you know. Um, and then he said to him, and this is the part I want you to grab hold of, and this he says to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now this word right there, well, also can be translated whole. Think about this context. All ten were healed. One was made well. We think sometimes that what will make the difference and the change is going to be like if I got the healing, if I got the outcome, if I got the change in my circumstance, the adjustment in my circumstance I was looking for. But what we see makes us well in this story it wasn't just the circumstance getting changed. It was the thankfulness in his heart. Do you understand this? Thankfulness makes us well. There's a life God wants for us. Flourishing, abundant, flowing, green, good. Circumstances may not always be what we wanted or imagined. But when we choose to cultivate and live in thankfulness, it makes us well. Everything in our life could be going great, but if we live with murmuring, complaining, we are not well, no matter how good the circumstance. But when we learn to give thanks in all circumstances, our thankfulness makes us well. Now, here's what I want to give you as a bit of a challenge to consider doing. If you're going, you know what, I want to make that kind of adjustment, here's one small thing you can begin to do. What it requires is we have to begin to change the way we think. Attitudes are thought patterns. They're how we default respond to the world. They're, we built them over time. We probably won't just change them over time. It starts with I got to choose to throw this off and to confess and turn, but it's going to take time to allow God to continually work on us to change our attitude. Here's a, there's a guy, he's a pastor in, uh, I think in Kansas City, and came up, he wrote a book called A Complaint-Free World. And he came up with this challenge for his church. It was a 21-day challenge. And he said, just take a, a rubber band and put it on your wrist, like this one I have right here. And he said, here's the, all, all I want you to do is not snap yourself. That's what you think, right? <laughs> snap myself. Every time I do it wrong, just bad me, you know. Bad me. And... What, are, what you do is not that, but you have it there, and when you notice you're beginning to complain, 
you just take it off and you put it on the other hand. And you choose in that moment to, okay, I'm now aware of what I'm doing. And choose in that moment to go, you know what, am I complaining? About like, I'm actually just venting. This is going to do nothing to help the situation. I'm just complaining. I'm not taking any action. I'm not even probably talking to the right person about this. I'm just complaining. I'm just, and just, and so what it does, and so his goal, here's his challenge. Can you go 21 straight days without having to shift the rubber band? And the first person to do it gets that Worldwide Wrestling Federation title belt. <laughs> And you will wear it, and it will say, thankful. And you can walk around as proud as you want, because you could work on pride later, but you'll be. <laughs> you will be thankful. I want to encourage you to consider do, do something that begins to allow you to start to think. All right, I'm going to put a rubber band on. Every time I start to complain, I'm going to shift it. And I'm going to choose in that moment, thankfulness. You know what? Instead of the way I'm talking about this, can I choose thankfulness instead? This is not a, uh, and I'm going to invite the team to come back up, up here with me. This is not something that uh, is just kind of by human effort alone, although, you know, psychology will tell us over and over in all these different ways this can make a dramatic uh, impact by choosing different patterns, choosing different things. For us as followers of Christ, this should go even beyond, though. It's not just behavior, though. We have to address it at that level. It is about choosing to say, God, I recognize this as sin. It's not just a bad habit I'm trying to correct. I'm actually saying, Lord, this is sin, and I don't want to be, I don't want to practice it habitually anymore. And, and so it has to start with confessing it. And then as you do that, you know, I encourage you, put it, you know, and be praying, Lord, would you help me to be thankful today? Would you draw my eyes through the moments I need to take that rubber band and switch it to the other hand? You know, the moments we want to excuse and go, is it, was it, I don't know, I just, nah. Lord, just help me to be pretty honest with myself on this. Spirit, give me a, give me a sense. And then you just switch it. God's not doing this stuff. This is why we're not going to snap. It's not about, oh, you should just feel bad about this and God's into kind of punishing you. Not at all. God's got a life he dreams for you. He's got a whole different way of experiencing the world that he dreams for you. And he wants you to begin to see how you're, attitudes and mindsets are keeping you just like those people they were kept from ever entering that land God wants us to see how the ways we think and our mindsets and attitudes are keeping us from experiencing the life he dreams for us I'm going to invite you to to stand and uh, and as we sing today can I just encourage you to take uh, some time in your own heart to maybe just say to, to God you know Lord is this something I need to, to deal with? Just let him, let him kind of speak to you. And he's not, he doesn't do these things again to kind of just make us feel good. But let him kind of reveal to you. And maybe you just need to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to confess today. And just in the quiet of your own heart, maybe you'll lift a hand to him. Maybe you just quietly pray where you are. But just to be willing to say to him, Lord, you say it's sin. And I agree. And I'm sorry. Now I want to turn from that. And I want to put off complaining. And, Lord, I want to put on thankfulness. That's your will for me. That's your plan for me. That's what you want for my life in every situation. And I want to choose your will for my life. And just ask him to begin to begin that work in you. And then I encourage you this week, grab a rubber band. Just try it. Start to see every day. Watch what's happening. 
find people around you who can encourage you in it. You know, find people who can say, you know what, oh, you know, let's not indulge it for one another and let's be on that. And you don't start going, wait, well, yeah, I think you're, comb-. like, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. Just worry about ourselves. But maybe we can ask one another, do you, do, does it feel like I'm complaining right now? Like, is that, yeah, you know, maybe let's try and reframe this. Let's, let's help each other, let's encourage. Would you bow with me as we pray? Lord, in this moment, we acknowledge that you are God. You are sovereign. You are Lord. You are above all. Lord, the temptation of my heart, I know for all of us, is to make other things more important than you, to make myself, to be what's at the center of the universe. And Lord, I confess and we confess that, God, you are God. You are the one who is on the throne. And you have plans and dreams for our lives. And Lord, I pray that for each one of us, uh, today we get more in touch with that. Lord, where, where there are attitudes that need to be changed, Lord, I pray your spirit would be coming. Even, even as we sing, even as we worship today, all around this room, would your spirit be at work in our lives? Lord, as we worship you and acknowledge that, God, you are exalted. You are over all. You are, you are above all. Lord, as we do that, as we put ourselves to the side and exalt you. Lord, would your spirit begin to work within our hearts and within our lives. You know, if you're here today and you know, I, I really want to take this on. I, I want to, you know, turn from complaining and I want to grab hold of thankfulness. Just where you are in a quiet moment, just lift your hand up saying, you know what, Lord, I want to choose your way. I want to pray for you especially. Lord, I pray for every person raising a hand to you, saying, you know what, I want to turn from complaining. I want to take hold of thankfulness. Lord, let your spirit be poured out in a fresh way in their lives. God, may it lead to flourishing and growth and joy and peace in the life you dream. Lord, we exalt you in this place because of Jesus.